What's going on, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Raptors Community Podcast. Today, we got a couple things we're covering. So, first, we're going to talk about our first round reactions in the NBA playoffs and then talk about our second round predictions. Uh, just as a note, it's Monday, June 7th. Um, I already made my predictions earlier on my Instagram story, so I'm sticking with what I already picked, given that we've already seen uh, the Sixers and Bucks play game one. So, my predictions won't change. And similarly, I'll react a little bit to those games. Um, and this segment's going to be short. And then we're going to jump right into um, our top five draft picks. According to the Ringer NBA, we're going to just analyze uh, who these players are a little bit. I, I've watched some video and film on all these players. So I'm ready to give a deep dive into the top five picks potentially in this NBA draft. And then maybe next week prior to the draft, which is... I believe June 24th, it's in a couple weeks, uh, but prior to that, I'm going to be giving my full intentional breakdown of the rest of the um, lottery, so the first 14 picks, and I'll cover the top five today later in this episode. So let's jump right into our first round reactions. Um, we're only going to cover the big things here, so Lakers losing six to the Phoenix Suns, Um I think a lot of this is a testament to how important Anthony Davis is for this LA Lakers team. He's clearly their best player. I felt LeBron looked a little old in this one. His ankle probably wasn't 100%, but it just felt like as a benchmark, we saw how he played against Jay Crowder in the NBA Finals. He was dominant against him uh, against Miami last year in the bubble. But contrarily, it just felt like he couldn't dominate Jay Crowder as much this year. He was just looking a bit old, obviously. I think he's 36 years old, so uh, he's not a young player, 18, 19 years in the league. So uh, there's nothing against him necessarily. Uh, I think it's just that, hey, he's getting older. Uh, They needed Anthony Davis in this one. The groin didn't help. They were looking dominant. They were up 2-1 with a game at home in Game 4 where it looked like they were going to be able to take a stranglehold on the series. Anthony Davis goes down, and then it flips completely. And then we see the ascension of Devin Booker, too, on the other side of the fence there, uh, with Aiton obviously playing amazing. I think Devin Booker is really the standout here. Uh, as a shooting guard, He's obviously his role on this team is to get buckets, right? And he was doing that at an elite level. He's hitting all of his threes, curling off screen, shooting deep threes, off the dribble, just dominating everyone that he wanted to in this game. So... He was honestly amazing, um, and it's just proving that this isn't really a fluke. This team is legit. Devin Booker can lead a really good team. We weren't sure about that in years past, given that uh, I'm pretty sure his record in like his first four years in the league was under 30% win percentage, so terrible. Uh, and now suddenly he's on a 51 team in a shortened season, I'll have it. I think they won 50, 50 games this year, but something near that. Uh, and yeah, they're just a legit contender this year and it's because of the ascension of Devin Booker the addition of Chris Paul as both a leader and uh, a teammate and then also I think Aiton's growth Mikhail Bridges as a role guy is good the addition of Drake Jay Crowder was huge for them too so I was really impressed with their win the next one we're going to cover is the Clippers taking down the Dallas Mavericks in game seven um, this series has honestly had me spinning on my head because I had no idea who was going to win. Initially, I picked Clippers in five. I thought they were going to dominate the series. Then Dallas takes the first two games in LA, and it felt like it was over from there. Then the Clippers claw back. 
no pun intended, they claw back into the series by winning two games in Dallas with 15,000 fans or something like that in, a, in the arena. They claw back. They win games three and four. And at that point, I was like, this one is over in six. And then Dallas wins game five, and it feels like everyone's picking against the Clippers. Uh, and then they win game six, and then they go home. And I had a feeling that in game seven, we'd see Kawhi Leonard take over and... Uh, I don't know if you can really say that he took over necessarily by the same way he did in Game 7 against Philly in 2019 where he scored 42 points. He took like 30-something shots uh, and just needed to pound the ball and score for them. But in this one, it felt like he was uh, just playing through the flow of the offense. He had 28 points uh, and impressively shot 10 of 15. Most of these were attacking the lane or shooting that mid-range that he's so lethal in. And then nine assists as well. That's a huge play here. And then they win 126-111. Despite Luka having 46 points uh, and 14 assists, uh, they're still able to take them down. So that was an impressive win by the LA Clippers. And when we get into our second round reactions, we'll be talking, or sorry, predictions, we'll be talking more about the Clippers. But they seem to be the most talented team in the Western Conference when you just look at their uh, top few players. Uh, Obviously, they have the best Stars, Kawhi is probably the best player left in the West, uh, or Jokic, actually. I think either or, but yeah, I think that was an insane win. We see the ascension of Luka Doncic as a superstar, um, obviously proving that he's one of the best players in the world. No question about it. He was unguardable in this series, and when you double him, he's just so tall and has great vision, and it really doesn't matter. He's going to make that right basketball play and just get buckets, so I was impressed by that win. The Nuggets take down Portland in six. Uh, the big question here is what should Portland do? And I think the simple answer is I don't think you need to break up that backcourt of CJ and Dame. More likely you're supposed to uh, add around them and build around them. So adding front court pieces and depth, that's going to make them a better team, especially on the defensive end. I felt that they struggled guarding Nikola Jokic. He felt like he averaged like 38 points per game in this series or something in that realm. Like, every time you watch the game, it felt like he had nearly 40 points um, because he just dominated Nurkic. Nurkic fouled out, I think, three times in six games in this series. And his canter has no chance either, so they need to add some some uh, depth there. I thought Zach Collins, I don't know if he's injured or not, but seems like the type of player that could develop into a role there with them coming off the bench. Uh, but they need to add some defense to this team because I don't. it doesn't seem like it's working. They've been eliminated now in the first round in four of the last five years. So they're definitely not looking great. Um, we'll see what they do this offseason. I think Dame and CJ probably stay and they make a move for like, you know, they move Nurkic and get maybe someone who's more of a defensive big uh, and add more roster depth because Carmelo Anthony plays too many minutes and they were trying to hard double with him and it just didn't make any sense uh, while you're doubling with a guy who's doesn't have the greatest mobility. They obviously added Robert Covington and uh, did that with the intention of helping their defense, and it didn't really seem to work. One guy can't fix everything. They need to make some more bigger moves here. Uh, the rest of the series, I think there's nothing really big to take away. Uh, the Grizzlies lose to the Jazz in five. I think that was kind of expected after winning game one. Donovan Mitchell took over the series. Uh, the Hawks being the Knicks in five was pretty crazy. I think they're just showing how good they are. We're going to talk more about them in our second round predictions, but just how amazing he is is insane as a team and the ascension of Trey Young as well, similar to Luka, both in the same draft class. 
traded for each other on draft night. Um, both are really amazing players, and I think people are sleeping a little bit on Trey Young, and he seems to be getting his recognition now. Uh, the Wizards losing five. Honestly, they already played well getting back into the plan and making the playoffs, so props to them for everything that they're able to do. Uh, the Heat got swept. I think that was pretty impressive, actually, the way that Milwaukee was able to take over that series and dominate after Game 1. Uh, game 1 obviously went to overtime. was a close game, but uh, after that, it was just like, damn, this team is not as good as the Milwaukee Bucks, and they really dominated this series. And then the Celtics lost in 5. Not much there. They're playing the, the Nets after all. So let's get into our second round predictions, but first a quick break. All right, we're back. Let's talk about the Eastern Conference first. The Nets and Bucks are playing each other, and this is probably one of the best series that is already um, going to happen here in the second round out of all four. I think this one's the most intriguing. Um, obviously, the star power is immense. You've got Kyrie, Harden, Durant versus Giannis, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton. You've got a really good defensive team in the Bucks that also can shoot the three and play good on both ends compared to the Nets who are an offensive juggernaut uh, and can walk in on defense when they need to. And my pick was the Bucks in six. I think the Bucks are the better two-way team. They've been through adversity together. And I think the addition of Drew Holiday is huge for them because of the defensive impact. And we saw that against the way they dismantled the Miami Heat after losing to them last year. Maybe a part of that function is the bubble and the way that it's a different situation. Obviously, no home court kind of neutralizes the the higher seed a little bit. But I was really impressed with how well they dismantled them in four games, just completely swept them on whether or not that's the Heat being worse than they were last year, which is definitely a situational uh, case for them. Or if it's the uh, Milwaukee, to their credit, were able to just lock them down. That I don't know. I think that... Jimmy Butler being guarded by Giannis was a big uh, way that they were able to really slow down their best player and win this series. Um, yeah, so I'm taking the Bucks in six. Obviously, after game one, the Nets took the win despite Harden getting injured in the first minute of this game. Uh, and he's not going to be playing in game two. So that obviously throws a wrench in this whole situation. Part of my original calculus to deciding which team I think was going to win was the fact that the Bucks are the healthier team overall and the fact that the Nets have some underlying injuries like Harden's hamstring, like Katie's knees and whatever else, foot injuries. Like I think Katie also had a hamstring injury. So these guys have a history of uh, injury and as a result, I don't trust that team. Hopefully Harden's back soon because they're going to need him in this series, but I'm going to ride Bucks and Six, which was my original prediction. It's looking better now that uh, Harden's injured, but you want that full team going head to head because otherwise, you know, that could ruin the series a little bit. Uh, next one in the Eastern Conference: Sixers versus Hawks. I went Sixers and six, despite being clunky off offensively. I felt that their defense would be enough to lock down the Atlanta Hawks. Obviously, in Game One, that wasn't the case. The Sixers' offense looked a bit clunky, like I said, but their defense was amazing. They turned it up late in Game One, where they were doing a lot of full court press. And there's one point where um, they just, not even one point, multiple times late in this game where they were just getting the Hawks multiple turnovers, stealing the ball, dunking, and able to come back down from 20 to tying this game and bringing it back, I think, to within one possession. I'm not sure if they ever actually tied it or took the lead, but they got close. 
Um, Capella struggled to contain Embiid, who looked good, despite, obviously, the knee injury uh, that took him out with that meniscus tear. And I think that Capella is going to have a long series trying to guard Joel Embiid. He has a good matchup against him, though, but Joel Embiid's obviously just a different beast. He almost fouled out in this game. We'll see if Capella can maintain composure and try to avoid fouling him and avoid him from going off. But he's obviously the toughest matchup in this series for them. Uh, Trey Young and the Hawks took game one. Bogdanovich, shout out to him. He's looking absolutely insane. He had multiple clutch free throws, at least four that he shot and hit them all. And a big three late in this game to shush um, that Philadelphia crowd, which was pretty cold of him. And I was just thinking, imagine if he was on the Milwaukee Bucks because of the restricted free agency stuff that happened this offseason where it seemed like they were going to get him. Uh, but then he ends up somehow finding his way to Atlanta and is carving out a pivotal role for them. Uh, seem, feels like their second best player behind Trey Young. And this offensive team just has that firepower. I think they scored over 40 in the first quarter uh, against the Sixers, which are supposedly the best defensive team. There are still adjustments for Doc Rivers to make where you got Thibel guarding him instead of Danny Green. That was a big mistake. And then also maybe putting Ben Simmons on him at times in this series uh, to just put bigger bodies, guys with long arms, to try and force Trey Young, obviously a young, small point guard, to have a lot of turnovers and try and really throw him out of his rhythm because he's that engine that runs this entire team, no question about it. So I'm interested to see what adjustments they make. I'm pretty sure they play... Uh, they played yesterday, Sunday, so I think they play tomorrow. So that should be fun. The next series that we're going to dive into in the Western Conference is Clippers-Utah. Uh, I picked Clippers in seven. I think they're just the better team. They potentially have the best two players in this series, depending on how you look at uh, Paul George, right? Because he obviously ebbs and flows, but I think they have the two best players in this series that play both ends of the floor. They got the better defense. Uh, both these teams shoot a lot of threes, so it'll be an interesting matchup. And I think that uh, Kawhi Leonard will be able to find his way through this series. They clearly have a nice path to the NBA Finals now because of the Lakers being eliminated. So there's a definite possibility that if they uh, can lock in at their best, they can definitely get out of the Western Conference. So I'm excited to see what this series comes to. I think that's going to be one of the more fun series as well. So I'm going Clippers in seven. Last one, this one's simple. Nuggets. Sons, I'm going Nuggets in seven. I'm riding with the best player. I'm riding with Nikola Jokic. I think that Aiton's going to be in foul trouble this entire series, basically trying to guard Nikola Jokic. You can't really throw doubles at him because he's going to pass it to open shooters and the likes of Austin Rivers, uh, Compazzo, Michael Porter Jr. Especially these role guys have shown they can hit their threes, you know, and if you can live with that result of them shooting open threes or threes off rotational defensive coverages then you're going to be golden where you you throw a hard double at Nikola Jokic and then you just pray these guys are missing their shots which is definitely a possibility so I'm excited to see how this stuff goes because uh, I think that's going to be a very fun series as well obviously I'm going to ride with Nikola Jokic though on this one so that's it for my NBA playoff coverage stuff uh we're about 15 and a half into this pod now we're going to jump into the um, draft board that we're going to be covering the top five NBA draft picks. What's going on guys. Second part of the pod here. We're going to be covering the top five draft prospects. I already posted on my Instagram Monday um, afternoon about the top five guys and just some quick strengths, weaknesses, but we're going to go a little more in depth here on this part of the pod. So 
Starting at number one, and this is according to the Ringers draft guide, so we're just going in order of their top five just to cover, uh, watch some, some tape on them, analyze it a bit. And the first guy is Cade Cunningham. He's 19 years old. He's six foot eight, 220-pound guard out of Oklahoma State. Uh, I think the most impressive thing with him is not only his size, but his ability to play both sides of the ball. And in 27 games this season, he averaged 20 points per game, six rebounds, and three and a half assists. And the three and a half assists per game don't really sound super sexy, but he does have really good passing ability uh, from that perspective. He's got a seven-foot wingspan. He can guard multiple positions. And he's shown signs of physical strength on that end of the floor, averaging almost two steals per game at about 1.6. The one big thing is he's an offensive weapon everywhere on the court as well. Uh, If he's got a bigger guard, he can put him in the low post. He can score in the lane. Um, He can shoot in the mid-range. And he shot 40% from three on nearly six attempts per game. So he's got an elite arsenal of weapons offensively while also being a versatile defender and a great player in transition when he gets down the open court and even when he attacks the paint as well. Uh, He's a well-rounded, polished player, and some of his weaknesses are his negative assist-to-turnover ratio. He averages four turnovers per game. That's obviously because he's a young player, Um, and his finishing at the rim is good but not elite. And the comparisons are Luka Doncic and Jason Tatum to the type of player that he could be uh, I don't think he's as good a passer as Luka, not as athletic as Tatum, but he sort of sits right in the middle there uh, where he's not uber-athletic uh, by any means, but he plays under the rim kind of like Doncic does, but with the ability, obviously, to throw down at six foot eight. Uh, the second guy we're going with is Evan Mobley, 19 years old, 7 feet tall, 215-pound center out of UC- USC. Yep, 215 pounds. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about that a bit later. Uh, 17 points per game, 9 rebounds, 3 blocks. Only shot about 30% from 3, though. Uh, but he does have a great ability in the pick and roll, and he's a very controlled player in doubles. Uh, he's shown the ability to pass in the right situation. He can see over players. He's a good overall passer, and as a center, he has the ability to manage an entire offense. He can be the main scorer in an offense in isolation, off the dribble, in the pick and roll. Uh, he's got a great feel and fluidity to his game, very similar to Chris Bosch. Uh, he can operate at the elbow. He can attack. He can kick it for a teammate. He can hit the mid-range. Uh, he's a good defensive player on switches in the pick and roll in general. Uh, he's a good rim protector. Like I said, average three blocks per game. And he's not afraid to shoot the three either. He he lets it fly a little bit. Uh, the one place where he seems dominant is in the jump hook area and the floaters in the lane and shooting in that that lower mid-range area. That's where he seems elite to me. He loves to shoot that right-handed, over-the-left-shoulder jump hook, and he's got a great modern big game. If he can continue to develop the shot and get it up to you know, 35 36%, I think that would be huge for him, and as such a young guy, he can definitely do that. Uh, some of his weaknesses are that he's scrawny, and he would struggle against guarding some bigs in the low post, like Embiid or Jokic, right? As a modern big, he may not be the fit, um, depending on if he can put on some muscle or not, he could be more like a Bosch-esque player, which would be more than enough, uh, similar to sort of Bam at a bio in size. And he's not a dominant guy in the low post, and his three-pointer is only mediocre. So those are some of his weaknesses, and I've mentioned his name a lot. His comparison is Chris Bosch. The third guy we're going with is Jalen Suggs. He just turned 20 uh, last week. 
He averaged 14 points per game for Gonzaga. Uh, he's a 6'4 guard, 205. Uh, heavier guard, 14 points per game for Gonzaga. Four and a half assists, almost three steals per game, and 35% from three. Uh, he's got amazing court vision, and he's a really good playmaker. Uh, he's really good at passing and transition. Uh, he's shown amazing ability to get get the ball. The cutters as well is something that I'm really impressed with. Uh, his ability to pass in the half court is amazing. He's a good spot-up shooter, and he's good off the ball as well. He's got an NBA-level body with the ability to uh, absorb contact at the rim. He's a really good defender as well. Lots of steals. Great out in transition. He's a great athlete. Uh, and he's got a very smooth game and low-key. It's flashy with his ability to finish at times uh, around defenders. He's got a nice Euro step, good footwork, the ability to cross over, and a solid handle as well overall. Uh, some of his weaknesses are that his shot does come in and out. He is very streaky. And he doesn't have the best touch near the rim when absorbing contracts or when he's in the trees. But he does have his moments. The direct NBA comparison is Jamal Murray. Uh, he's one of my favorite prospects as well. He probably sits at four out of these top five for me. Uh, he's ranked third by Kevin O'Connor, the ringer. But I just think he's probably fourth. Uh, and Cade is number one with a hammer. Mobley is also right up there, number two. And I think there's a bit of a drop-off. A um, couple project players. I think Suggs is a very solid player for for what he is already. Uh, number four, who I have third, is Jalen Green. He's 19 years old, 6'5". He's only 165, so he's a light guy. He played for the G League Ignite. Uh, he's a guard there. Average 18 points per game, three assists, and one and a half steals. And he shot 36% from three, so arguably the best shooter out of these top five. Uh, obviously next to Cade. Um, he's a superb athlete as well. He's probably the most athletic out of all these guys. He's had a, a great ability in transition and in the open floor. He's super explosive. Uh, if you watch his highlights, it's it's basically just a dunk package. He's honestly a dunking machine in transition. Uh, he knows how to get cut off the ball. He knows where to be as a dunker. Um, he's crafty at the rim as well with the ability to finish and finish over people if need be. He's a great ball handler too. He can create off the dribble. Um, he's a good shooter as well and a free throw shooter over 80% from the free throw line, which is really, really solid for a college level player. Uh, and he's got a nice step back jumper too. He loves stepping back, um, obviously as a righty and pulling that trigger. He's got a solid uh, grasp over the footwork of the game as well. I think there are a few weaknesses to his game, though. Uh, one thing is his feel as a passer. Three assists per game isn't bad, but I think they need a little more out of him from a playmaking perspective. Uh, his shot comes and goes as well. 36% from three overall is good, but he is a streaky shooter. And he's got a smaller frame, too, like we said, but that kind of bodes well for his athleticism. He's not necessarily a very switchable defensive player. He's kind of needs to build that defensive consistency, which is why... He sort of gets compared to NBA players who aren't really known for their defense, are more like athletic with the ability to shoot. So a guy like Zach Levine or Bradley Beal, uh, and even Malik Monk as well is another comparison Kevin O'Connor gave to him. Uh, the last guy on this list at number five, who I don't know if he's my if I really like him that much. I'm still trying to wrap my head around his game, but it's Jonathan Kaminga. He's 18 years old, six foot eight. 220 pounds. He's got a good body on him. Uh, he's a forward for the Ignite as well. He averaged 16 points per game and 7 rebounds and 3 assists per game. And he shot under 25% from 3. 
which is uh, kind of detrimental in modern NBA. He's got a large frame, and he's a great athlete, and he's got elite defensive potential just given his frame and size and athleticism and long arms, but um, hasn't necessarily shown it yet. He does have uh, some defensive uh, quirks to his game. He's a good rebounder as well. Great at attacking the rim. He's got a great handle. He can finish with both hands. He's good in transition as well. Uh, but for weaknesses, he's sort of a project player at 6'8 with no shot. Um, like I said, 24% from three. He's a poor shooter overall. He's been known to be a ball stopper too. He's going to take his shots when he gets the ball or attack the rim. Uh, he needs to improve his playmaking. He's not a great defender, but has defensive potential. And right now, he's not a modern NBA player. I think the comparison was something like Jeff Green. So he's kind of got super athletic build, six foot eight, uh, with no shot yet. That's going to translate to the NBA. So I'm excited to see if he can sort of translate and develop into an NBA guy. Uh, that's it for this podcast. Keeping it short, probably sitting at about 30 minutes on this one, um, or 25, I guess. The next thing that's coming next week or later this week is going to be talking about the rest of the NBA draft, guys. So we're going to talk uh, 6 through 14, at least on my list and who I think is in there, and then some honorable mentions potentially talking about some of these other guys besides this top five, which is a pretty stacked-looking draft class. Lots of potential, lots of good promise here, but uh, that's it for this podcast. Thank you guys for listening, as always. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Rate us five stars. Really goes a long way in helping us uh, get more traction. Follow us on Instagram if you aren't already at Raptors Community. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you on the next one.